Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Longhorn Country Podcast. I'm your host Adam Glick, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Michael Gresser. Mike, we are officially one day away. From college football, games counting on our TV screens or mobile devices, wherever you can watch a college football game, it's coming to you soon, in one day. Just, you gotta be patient, we're finally here. Mike, how excited are you? We've been talking about it for weeks, but it has finally come to fruition. We are finally here. College football season is officially back. I can't believe that. I mean, you know, it's, we just got one more sleep, as they say, until uh, college football is on our TVs and in the lot in our lives once again i can't believe it off season feels like it's gone on forever but we're here we're back we've been talking about college football for a while but now we get to to live it and love it like we always do yeah the best sport on the planet for sure it is here for the people to say it doesn't get started till week one you're wrong listen college football games count some big teams are playing we're gonna get to all the week zero matchups and the things that we like at the end of the show but let's start off of course with the texas longhorns specifically at the quarterback position like on last week's episode quinn yours the new starting quarterback for the texas longhorns for the 2022 college football season like Things out of camp so far the last couple of days or so. He's looked a lot more crisp with his passes, limiting the turnovers. His confidence is up. Things are looking good. Quinn Ewers getting more accustomed to this offense. How do you think this transition is going to go with Quinn Ewers? Do you think this will just continue to trend upwards? Or do you think he might go through some struggles? Because as we know, in week two on September 10th, as I like to say, hell on earth, the Alabama Crimson Tide, head to Austin. How do you think Quinn Ewers is going to handle all this? And do you think this, the things that we've heard the last couple of days in a positive direction can help him going into this season? Yeah, well, I'll start with the struggles. I mean, I do think that he is still going to struggle no matter what, no matter Mm -hmm. how good we hear about him being in these final weeks of camp, he's going to struggle early on in his career. I mean, that's, that's a given with it, with a young inexperienced quarterback like him. And especially when you got Alabama coming into town, uh, you're not giving, you're not, 
given Quinn anything easy, that's for sure. But the things that we have heard out of camp in the recent days since he's been named the starter have been the things you really want to hear. They've been positive. They've said he's been limiting mistakes, um, not turning the ball over as much, and really getting more comfortable in the offense than he has been. Um, and I think a lot of that is just attributed to how his confidence level since he's become the starting quarterback. You know, uh, I, I read an interesting thing this past week about how sometimes when a quarterback specifically is in a competition with another quarterback, sometimes they'll rely on what they know best to just make wow plays and try and impress their coaches as much as they can with their just talent and not really give much thought to um, putting the receiver in the, in the, in the best position to make a play. But now that he's made the starter and he knows that he doesn't have somebody looking behind him, he can now become a little more, he can focus a little bit more on making sure he's hitting his receivers on the money and uh, connecting with them and not just focusing on trying to impress the coaches with his, with his sheer arm strength. Um, so I think that's a good sign. And I think that will continue to progress um, now that he's been named the starter. And like I said, I think it's going to, it's not going to be pretty early on. Um, but I think in the end, it's going to work out well. Um, as long as his confidence doesn't get completely shot against Alabama, which is a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to work out pretty well for Quinn and for the Longhorns. Yeah. And I agree with you, Mike. I think the biggest thing with Quinn is just getting his confidence higher and higher because the talent is there and it is overwhelming with his talent it is pretty impressive what he can do with the football in his hands. And the biggest thing with me, Mike, as you said, you know, you got to temper your expectations in that Alabama game. They're not supposed to win. You're just hoping you see good things from the offense and both and the defense as well, stay in the game and you build towards the rest of the season. Because at, at the end of the day in college football, you want to win the non-conference games and you want to make a national title. But the biggest thing is conference play. You have to play well in the conference. The goal, the main goal, I think, for the Texas Longhorns this year, make the Big 12 championship. For In order to do that, they need to get better with the Alabama game and they need to temper their expectations. Going back to Quinn Ewers, I think it is going to help him that Coach Sark made this decision earlier rather than later, as we've talked about in the last couple episodes. Make sure to go check out last episode, Quinn Ewers, the starting quarterback of Texas, getting a lot of traction on the podcast platform. So good to see. Thank you to everyone who listened. Make sure to tell everyone. But back to this is just making sure Quinn Ewers builds, continues to grow from here is the biggest thing with Texas because, Mike, we know. They have the pieces on offense. They're super talented on offense, despite the injuries we're about to get into with Isaiah Nair. The pieces are still there. And then guess what? You have a Heisman candidate in the backfield. If you if the passing game's not working with B. John Robinson. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a great point. I mean, I mean, yeah. stop it, but that's a great point. If Quinn is struggling in a game, he has the option to just hand it off to Bijan. You know what I mean? If if he throws a pick and his confidence is down, Sark can just tell him, you know, just give the ball, give the ball to Bijan, get your confidence level back up, and uh, things will be okay. That's a great point. Yeah, well, exactly. So I think Texas on the as we talked about, I think they're going to be fine in the long run on offense. The question is the defense and how they deal with adversity as last year's team obviously did not handle it well at all going five and seven but moving on to our next you know part with the Texas Longhorns on offense is that replacement with Isaiah Nair at the wide receiver position the transfer from Wyoming super talented the Texas got one of the top transfers in the portal this past year he goes down and we you know we've talked about Mike 
Tariq Milton potentially being that guy. And I think he's still going to get his playing time. He's still going to do really well. But a name that has emerged is Casey Kane. And by the way, Casey Kane has not played a snap under a Texas Longhorn uniform in a game. He is a he redshirted last year. He is ready to go. He's re- looked really, really good in camp. So talk, Mike, talk me through how they're going to deal with Tariq Milton and Casey Kane specifically, how they're going to put them into the offense. Yeah, well, Isaiah Nair, you know, he's not a replaceable guy. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to match what his what he was going to be able to do for this offense. But you still you still got options. It's still a deep group overall at the wide receiver position for Texas. And you got a guy like Tariq Milton who is probably the most experienced of the guys that they've brought in. But, you know, Casey Kane is probably that guy that they want to be able to play in Nair's position because he's built the same. He's six foot three. Um, Kane's more of a slot receiver. They want somebody that can do the things that Isaiah Nair would have potentially done in this offense, who can stretch the field, go up, catch 50-50 balls. And Casey Kane, you know, he's not the athletic freak that Isaiah Nair is, but he kind of has some of those similar attributes. So I think they like him at that position. And he's he's had a really good camp this fall. Um, He's put a lot of confidence in the coaches. I think they trust him to be able to walk out with the ones against UL Monroe. Um, and he's not going to put up the production at all. He's not going to scare defense at all compared to what Isaiah Nair was. But he does play that similar type of role in the offense that they were going to have out of Nayor. Um, I still think Tariq Milton's going to play a ton. By default, he's still going to play more now that uh, Nayor has gone down for the year. Um, but I think he's still probably going to be inside where they uh, – thought they were going to be able to keep him all year long uh, behind Jordan Winnington. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think it's good. It's obviously not good that they have to replace Isaiah Nair, but I think it's good that a guy like Casey Kane has emerged in his uh, replacement. Yeah, for sure. And when you have that big of an, an impact injury go down during the fall camp before the season, having another guy come into the form per se and have that guy, you know, to deliver, you know, possibly big minutes for Texas football and be in the fold coming into this season for the Texas Longhorns. I think Casey Kane will be a huge help to try to fill that that hole as you talked about. It's not going to completely be filled, but you might put some, you know, temporary glue on there, whatever you want, Elmer's glue, whatever. Not going to get the job done at the end, but it's still decent, right? So we'll we'll see how that goes with Texas Longhorns. They're still very stacked at wide receiver. Xavier Worthy. Jordan Whittington. I mean, they're still there. And as we've talked about Bijan in the backfield, the offense is going to be just fine. Mike, talk me through because I, you know, I'm still, I'm want to learn here. What do you think is the best, you know, offensive scheme for Texas? The 11 personnel on the field or the 12 personnel? I know you're probably in favor of the 12, 12 personnel, but walk me through why it's specifically successful, do you think, with the Texas Longhorns? Yeah, well, I think things have certainly changed in the coach's mind since Nair did go down. For those, for the fans who don't know, 11 personnel is when you have three three wide receivers on the field, one tight end and one running back. And in 12 personnel, you have two wide receivers on the field, two tight ends and one running back. Um, so more playmakers with the 12 personnel. Yeah, well, yeah. more playmakers, I would argue just – better playmakers for what Texas has right mm-hmm. now. You got guys like Dechavian Sanders and Jaleel Billingsley who are both tight ends, but they're both probably Texas's two of Texas better playmakers that they have healthy right now. 
Um, you know, if Isaiah Nair was healthy, they probably would have relied on 11 personnel a lot more than they would have with him on the field, Worthy on the field, and Jordan Winnington on the field. But now since he's gone down, you lose one of your top playmakers. So now you want to find the package that is going to put your best guys on the field and give Quinn the most 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 options that the coach the coaches know that they can rely on. And those are probably going to be two tight ends and Jaleel Billings, Lena Tavian Sanders, and then two wide receivers in Isaiah and, and uh, sorry, Jordan Winnington and Xavier Worthy. Um, and I think that I think they're going to rely on that a lot. Um, it will probably relief some of the impact of not having Isaiah Nair out there because um, they were going to run 12 personnel a lot already um, and take a receiver off the field. But now I think they're going to rely on a little bit more since, um, since Isaiah Nair's presence is not there and um, put the guys on the field that they already know that they can rely on. And with, with those four that I mentioned. Yeah, and it just makes sense for Texas to go in that 12 personnel because you have two elite receivers in Xavier Worthy and Jordan Winnington. Instead of, you know, if you had Isaiah Naylor in the fold, then you probably would want to go with that, you know, 11 personnel because you have three elite receivers. But no offense to Tariq Milton and Casey Kane. They're still very good players, and I think they'll have great years, but... They're not at that elite level, I would say. So that's why the 12 personnel makes sense specifically for the Texas Longhorns. And I think it will help them in the long run. And we've seen it with other teams in college football. Iowa loves the 12 personnel, the two tight ends. They like to just downgrade you with the blocking and the run game, the short passes, the drop-off passes. And it works. And they're a successful team every year. So I think it's going to work with Texas. We still will have the big playmaking you know, types with Quinn Ewers as the quarterback and, you know, Worthy and Whittington still at the receiving core, but it's not going to always be there as it might have been with Nair. So I think this is going to work the package wise specifically with Texas. Um, but Mike, we got to talk about because the season is just so close the injury update for Texas. And this is where it gets to be a positive good news regarding the injury report for the Texas Longhorns. Just to fill the fans in that don't know, Alfred Collins has already returned. Big defensive lineman from Bastrop, Texas, just north of Austin. Pretty close. He is back. Need him to get to the pass rushing attack that's going to be so big for Texas this year. I think it's the number one thing I'm looking at on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we, you know, we thought the injury was going to be more severe, probably miss a game or two, but he's back, so it's a good sign for Texas. Uh, Kel, Kelvin Banks got dinged up last in last Saturday's scrimmage, but he's hopefully going to return soon. We'll see the returns for the opener, if not the Alabama game. And Jade Barron, Cole Hudson, and Roshan Johnson all back for week one. So, Mike, how, I mean, are you, you know, how happy if you're a Texas Longhorn fan that you get all these guys most likely back for week one, how important is it? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, I'll touch on Alfred Collins first. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of speculation. None of it was confirmed by Sarkeesian that he could be out for a month, maybe a month and a half. Um, but Sarkeesian said a few days ago, yeah, he's back. He's practicing already. So that's great news there. Um, not nearly as severe that uh, as many had previously thought. So that's good. Um, Kelvin Banks, you know, um, he was a scare in the scrimmage uh, this past Saturday, but it sounds like it was just a, a mild ankle sprain and they're holding him out right now for precautionary reasons, but he could play right now if, if they wanted him to. 
and uh, he'll be back in full form. Uh, if he isn't already, he will by tomorrow. Um, so that that's great. And fully expect him to still be the starting left tackle week one when uh, UL Monroe comes to town. And the other guys, uh, Jada Barron, he was uh, dinged up, I believe, in the first scrimmage as well, and he's been out for some time. But he's expected to be back pretty soon. Cole Hudson as well. Um, he's been dinged up, and Devon Campbell has been in his place as the starting right guard. Um, but Hudson's expected to be ready to go week one. He's also still expected to be the starting right guard as a true freshman. And obviously, Roshan Johnson, uh, good news there. He was probably the biggest worry of them all when the injury reports first started coming out. It's like, oh, Roshan Johnson got carted off the field in, in scrimmage, and no one was even really giving Nayer much thought at the time because they just heard about Roshan getting carted off and figured, assumed that that was going to be the most serious injury of them all. Um, but sounds like he's totally fine. Um, he's uh, he's back practicing, so no concerns there. So good news all around on the injury report this week. Yeah, this week, obviously, as the season gets going, there's going to be, sadly, players that get injured, and we'll talk about it. In, but going into at least the week before the preparation for the UL Monroe game, things are looking up on the Texas Longhorns injury report list. We'll have more in the coming weeks, but... We just wanted to give you guys a quick rundown of what was going on on the injured list for the Texas Longhorns. Now, Mike, let's shift to recruiting before we get into the week zero preview that I'm so excited to talk about. But the recruiting for Texas, there's always something new. There's always targets to be had. The 2023 class is already looking spectacular for the Texas Longhorns. But there are some names that I want to you know throw out there. And I want to ask you who's the biggest name on the board. So let me just throw out some names and you'll tell me who the Texas really needs in the recruiting class for 2023. First, obviously the wide receiver talent, Jalen Hill, number 49 on SI's 99 list. He is very talented. Another huge playmaking ability wide receiver in Jalen Hale. Tight end Deuce Robinson, number 18 on SI 99. You got a couple edge guys on the defensive side of the ball. I probably can't pronounce their names, but Toulouse Akana and Damon Wilson, number 17 on the SI 99. And also in the defensive back position, Javion Tovano, uh, number 75, SI 99. Sorry, I'm not an English major or a pronunciation major. Uh, Sorry, I butchered some names. But those are some guys that Texas is specifically looking at in the 2023 class. So, Mike, Who is the number one guy that you're looking at that Texas needs to get? And does it correlate where it needs that need for Texas going into the future? If that makes sense uh, for the 2023 class. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Um, You know, this Texas 2023 class is almost full for the most part. The staff did a great job of getting these guys locked down during the summer amid a huge wave of arch momentum, obviously. So they don't have too much to focus on during the season and after the season, but there are still some key targets left on the board that you just ran down. And the biggest, um, biggest hole on the, in the class currently is also, in my opinion, the biggest hole in the roster. And that's the edge edge position. Um, You know, there's some guys that project as edge rushers on in Texas class already. Um, Billy Walton's a name and Darren Gillette's another one, but um, Gillette's probably going to be a linebacker at the next level. And Billy Walton, he's not nearly as elite as some of the guys that uh, you just listed. 
Um, Cecilia Kana and Damon Wilson are two of the top edge rushers in the nation. And uh, Texas really needs to hit on at least one of these guys, if not both, uh, to fill those uh, needs at edge. Like I said, given what's currently in the class and also given what's on the roster. Um, Akana is interesting because um, he does have some close ties to the Texas team already. Um, his sister actually transferred from Nebraska, I believe, to play volleyball for Texas. So she'll be on campus already. And I'm sure that has that ties into him having interest in the school. And uh, Damon Wilson, uh, he's one of the top edge rushers in the country. He's from Florida. And um, his recruitment is pretty interesting because um, Texas wasn't really recruiting him that hard, if at all. And then out of nowhere, he just put Texas in his top five as kind of a call to the staff to start recruiting him um, because he was already in contact with Arch Manning. Arch was telling him to take a look at Texas and um, him putting Texas in the top five really kind of piqued the interest of the staff. And now they've made him a priority and hope to close him out at the end of the season. So those are the two guys I think I'd call the biggest needs currently in the class and on the roster. Um, the, the last one, I'll, the next one I'll mention is Javian Tobiano. Um, he's one of the top DBs in the class. He could play either safety or cornerback, uh, probably going to be a cornerback. But um, I think he becomes a, an enormous need after what transpired a couple weeks ago when Jordan Matthews picked Tennessee. I think all Texas fans and the staff included thought that Matthews was coming to Texas and uh, out of nowhere, he, he picked up the Tennessee hat and told everyone that he's going to be a volunteer. And uh, I think that kind of gave everyone a shock. And then subsequently it made Tobiano uh, as even a bigger need than what he already was. So th those are the names I'm looking at all on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is going to be okay, no matter what they finish out with this class, but uh, still some needs to fill on, on the defensive side for sure. Yeah, 100%. And you talked about, you know, the ten him committing to Tennessee. I think that was one of the most shocking commitment decisions that we've seen in recent memory. I mean, Love I remember it. us talking, you know, off the air show is just completely stunned that he did not pick the Texas Longhorns. But as you talked about, they'll be fine pro most likely, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you mentioned another, I like to just grab these little tidbits, the sister transferring from Nebraska to yeah. Texas. For people that don't know volleyball standards, that is a huge, huge, massive transfer decision. That is almost like transferring from Alabama to LSU. Not as big of a magnitude, but the rivalry is there in volleyball standards as Nebraska obviously used to be a Big 12 member, but they compete all the time. We were there a couple of years ago for the tournament. But anyway, I, I love to get off track here and grab yeah, these cool. tidbits. But just a cool little you know side note going yeah. along with the recruiting trail. So Mike, we've made it. The Week 0 slate is here. There's some games. There's 10 games. There's some, you know games where we're like okay they're playing you know slow-mo they're gonna kill them but there are some intriguing matchups that we're gonna get to the first one is not even in the united states it is not remotely close to the united states it is in dublin ireland it is not saint patrick's day but it is week zero opening game of the college football slate for the most part no offense to the western kentucky austin p game but this is the main game to open up the slate Casey Thompson, as we know very well, the Texas quarterback from last year, making his first appearance against the Northwestern Wildcats. So, Mike, I just want to get your thoughts 
on this Nebraska team and on Casey Thompson? What do you think he has to offer for the Cornhuskers in 2022? Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, by default, this is going to be one of the like most watched games in the country yeah. throughout the whole year. It's not a very high-profile game. In my mind, it is. But uh, it's still a game that you wouldn't necessarily put on the radar uh, on, that, on any given week. But it still has massive implications, especially on Nebraska's side. Um, you got a head coach in Scott Frost who is in a must-win uh, season if he wants to hold on to his job, and that absolutely starts in Dublin Island and needing a win against Northwestern. Uh, if they don't win this game, uh, it could spell disaster in Lincoln. Um, but, I mean, I'm going to pick them to win this game. I think they do. I think Nebraska had a really good off offseason pulling in um, a ton of transfers, a lot of talented transfers, as you mentioned, Casey Thompson. They also stole uh, O'Shawn Mathis away from Texas. So they, they got better on both sides of the football, and I think it's going to help them out uh, in this game and then this season. But I'm gonna, my eyes are going to be glued to the screen. Of course, it's football, but it's also meaningful football. Um, if, if Northwestern pulls off the subset, um, things are going to get uncomfortable quick for Nebraska fans out there in Lincoln. Yeah, the leash on Scott Frost is very, very thin right now. Anything that goes wrong this year, he is going to be ousted out of Lincoln. I was there over the summer. I mean, these fans live and breathe Nebraska football. They are really expecting a bounce-back year, at least a bowl-eligible year where they get to a bowl game at six wins. They're expecting more, honestly. We will see. And it's kind of just a change of tempo. Who is going to grab the tempo early because Northwestern likes to slow the ball down, like the control, the the time of attack, especially with the run game. And then Nebraska, they like to aerate it. They like to throw it big plays, keep the pace moving. It's going to be very interesting. So if you're betting, it's kind of hard for me to take a side in the over under as well as honestly the spread. I think this game could go any which way. I know the spread's 13 and a half, almost two touchdown favorite in Nebraska, but honestly, Mike, I could see Nebraska blowing them out or Northwestern upsetting them. I don't know if there's kind of that in between. I think there's just so many things that could go into this game I'm very excited for. But with that, there are some more games on the week zero slate. Thank God. Um, it's so exciting. Um, so, Mike, what's the biggest game that you're most excited for in the week zero slate? Because there are some power five teams playing, as we just yeah. mentioned. There are some Power 5 teams playing. The next one I got my eye on is later in the night for those in the continental USA. That is Vanderbilt traveling to Hawaii. Um, not a very marquee game on anybody's schedule, but this is week zero. We're going to be watching all these games no matter what. Um, so all my eyes are still going to be glued to the screen at, at um, what is this going to be, uh, 1030 Central Time, I think. Um and this is this is big football out, out in Hawaii. You know, uh, Hawaii hasn't been a very good team in years past. They had a horrible, horrible off season. Of um, they fired their coach, and then they tried to hire another guy who they thought they were going to get, and then he stepped. He didn't. He didn't end up taking the job because of how big of a mess the Hawaii program has been. And then they had this mass exodus of transfers that no other program in America has seen. Um, so it's situation is kind of volatile in Hawaii right now, but I do like the coach that they did bring in. I believe he was um, a former Hawaii quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, one of their best ever. 
And I think he's got uh, the program headed in the right direction. And I think he's got it stable at least, which is very important. And um, I think it could work out. Uh, I think Vanderbilt has, you know, Vanderbilt's, they're not, they're not anything crazy much better than Hawaii. They're Vanderbilt, you know, they don't give too much thought to football. So they're not going to be expecting to blow out a team Hawaii. At least I don't. Um, I, th- I think, I, th- I think this game could be trouble for Vanderbilt. You know, I don't like the fact that they got to travel. I don't even know how many time zones to get to this game. Um, week one of all, of all places um, or week zero rather. And uh, so I, th- I think it could spell trouble. I think Vanderbilt's still going to win, but um, what you, what do you say the line in this game was? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the time difference is going to be huge. You know, Vanderbilt's on the East coast and Hawaii. I couldn't tell you what time zone that's called, um, but it's just, it's just too big of a difference. No, no, no team is going to be 100% if they have to travel that far around the globe and travel that late at night. Um, so I, I think, I think it could hurt Vanderbilt. I think they're still going to win the game, but, uh, give me the uh, give me the Rainbow Warriors week zero. Yeah, I love the take, Mike. People that don't remember fans, if you're listening, Vanderbilt played week one last year to East Tennessee State. That's an FCS opponent and not a very good one. They got dismantled. I mean, crushed at home, twenty three to three, something like that was the score. Don't be surprised if Hawaii, with all the things that Mike talked about, all the problems that they've had in the last couple months in that program, don't be surprised if they're ready to play in Aloha Stadium. I don't know if they still play in Aloha Stadium, but I love that name. I hope they do. I think it's going to be a great game. The game I'm looking at, I know it's not a marquee game, but UTEP and UNT, because it is the closest game according to the spread going into week zero and you know we talked about texas longhorns here on the podcast well these two teams are from the state of texas and you know they compete quote unquote compete for recruits so i'm just interested to see the utep north texas matchup i think both teams are going to have good years make bowl games so very enticing game for me on the week zero slate and i'm also before we kind of wrap it up and then talk about just quickly the big 12 the florida state Duquesne matchup. I think that is also going on in week zero. Florida State, not the best team when it comes to FCS opponents losing last <laughs> year on a hell Mary, the craziest play I've ever seen. Mike and I were in Fayetteville, Arkansas during that when that happened. The Gamecocks of Jacksonville State, the FCS opponent, stunning the Seminoles of Florida State. Could it happen again? Probably not. The spread, I think, is 30 some, 36, 37 and a half, something crazy like that against Duquesne, who's awful. I mean, awful in football. I don't even know how they play football. It is always so cold there. But anyway, very intriguing matchup for me. League Zero, and you know, it's kind of that appetizer, that Caesar salad. It's good, but it doesn't really fulfill you. So we'll get to week one. We'll get to that main course, the beautiful, you know, filet mignon steak, medium rare, all that nice stuff that goes with it. We'll get there. But week zero, it's a nice little appetizer. It'll be a lot of fun. Quickly, Mike, I know you talked about it, the betting picks week zero. You said Hawaii plus eight and a half. That's your official pick. That is my official pick. Yep. Love it. Love it. Okay. My official pick will be, let's see, Nebraska first quarter minus six and a half as wow. my official pick. I think first quarter they get out 
or excuse me, sorry, sorry, minus seven first half. Sorry, that's what I saw had written on my paper. First half, I think they get off to a nice start. I don't know if they'll finish. They really struggled last year at holding leads, so we'll see about that. And then lastly, Mike, the last thing that we'll talk about before we wrap up the show, Big 12 teams in week one that will impress you and disappoint you. I wanted to do this today because we probably, by the time next week recording, We'll probably record on Thursday night, so after two Big 12 teams have already played. So I want to do this today. So I ask you, who's going to impress in Week 1? Who's going to disappoint in Week 1, specifically in the Big 12 Conference? Well, the Big 12 doesn't get off to the most exciting start, I would Mm -hmm. say, in Week 1. The the only Big 12 team, I believe, that plays another Power 5 team is TCU. They They play at Colorado. Uh, on Friday the second, so that's probably the most. West Virginia plays Pitt as well. That's it. Okay, yeah. the, that's the and they call it the backyard brawl. I believe. Right? Yeah, it's going to be yeah, a great back, game on back, Thursday. How yeah. could I forget the backyard brawl? <laughs> that that all right. That that is my mistake, and that is an huge, huge game mm-hmm. uh, for both these teams. They're bringing back a classic Big East rivalry. Um, Pitt obviously won the ACC last year. West Virginia has high hopes with you know. So I, my mistake. Uh, that is the You're game. Good. That is the game that I have my eyes on. <laughs> one for the Big Twelve, and I think the rest of America is going to have their eyes on that game as well. Um, you know, I'm, those fan bases have waiting have been waiting to have that game back for so long. I believe um, Pitt is what a, like a three point favorite. It's or, it's up to seven. It's up to seven. Okay, yeah. all right. So Pitt, Pitt's a seven point favorite, and it's at Pitt, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and this is this is going to be a very interesting game for both teams. We're going to see how well JT Daniels has accum- or has immersed himself in this West Virginia offense. It's going to give Texas fans a good idea of what they have to face against JT Daniels. Is he fully healthy? Is he back to what he has been um, when healthy when he was at Georgia and USC? Because we know how good he can be when he's healthy. And then on the other side of the ball, Pitt, they're going to be contending for the ACC title again, um, but they have a Totally new roster right now. They got Keaton Slovis at quarterback. Um, he's nothing compared, obviously, to what Kenny Pickett was last year, but he's still a, a solid quarterback. Had a ton of experience, ton of good experience at USC. And how are they going to replace Jordan Addison? We'll see. We're going to find out in Week One. Um, I know they like what they. I know that they like some of the pieces they got at receiver, um, but we're going to have a good sense whether or not Pitt is actually going to be able to repeat themselves as the ACC champion. Uh, when they host West Virginia in week so one. So is West Virginia your team that will impress in week one? In the Big 12, yes. In the Big 12, okay. Yeah, um, and I'm just curious to see really how they do. I think I think West Virginia is a pretty – they have a ton of variance in their season, I think. I, I like the over on their, uh, on their win total. I already said that last week. Um, but a lot of that relies on how JT Daniels is going gonna, is gonna to look. Um so my eyes are going to be on how well he plays uh, at Pitt Week One. I think it's going to be very interesting. And any teams that you think might, you know, not impress in Week One, um, maybe not lose, but won't look good in winning. Well, it it is tough because none of the really other teams outside of TC yeah. plays much great competition. You're not going to get a great feel about how well a team is going up against. I'll take tech, use Texas. I mean, I'm going to get a great feel of how Texas is going to be against the ULM. Um, you're not going to know what kind of team they are until you get a few more weeks into the season. 
Um, so it's hard for me to say really if I think some team is going to impress them. They're all going to probably blow out these teams that they play other than TCU and West Virginia, obviously. So my eyes will be on TCU, I guess. Uh, Colorado's not a team to really write home about. They haven't really been anything special, but it is in Colorado. Um, so it'll still be interesting to see. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who they walk out as a starting quarterback, nonetheless, um, see how well either Chandler Morris does or uh, Max Duggan. Um, so that, 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 that'll, that'll be one I'll, I'll be watching either way. The other games, you know, I, I think they're all going to be blowouts. I don't yeah. think, I don't think I'm going to be able to learn much about, you know, how well Iowa state does against Southeast Missouri state or <laughs> how well OU does against UTEP. I'm not going to be able to learn much of those teams in, yeah. in those games. So, um, but still some good games nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about to open that up, West Virginia. They're definitely the team that I am. The game in the Big 12 that I'm looking at the most as well as you are, Mike. And I think they're going to be the team that really impresses. Honestly, I think they could win. I know it's in Pittsburgh. It's a backyard brawl. It's going to be such a great, entertaining game to watch. But I really think they can win. I'm taking them with the spread. I really like this pick, and I think they will really impress some people in week one. And, you know, in these rivalry games, it really doesn't matter where you play. It is a toss-up every single time. And I think that will be the case in week one in Pittsburgh. That game's on ESPN on Thursday, September 1st. But... Quickly, before we have to wrap up the show, the team that I think is going to, you know, not impress, they're not going to lose, but they're not going to look good in doing it. Number 12 ranked Oklahoma State, the Cowboys play. I wrote, if you go follow uh, betkarma.com, college football writer, I write for them for a sports betting account. I did their win total today. I did an article on the Mac. They are my predicted winner in the Mac conference. The Chippewas of Central Michigan. I love their over win total as well at seven and a half. I love them to win the Mac at whatever plus odds they are. I think they're going to give Oklahoma State a little bit of a barn burner. And Mike, I don't know if you remember this. The last time they were in Stillwater, the Chippewas, they won on this ridiculous Hail Mary pitchback flip yes. when yeah. Oklahoma State was also ranked. So this Chippewa team, they have the pedigree. They have the you know the, what's happened in the past still in their minds. At least I would like to think so, where they could maybe do something special again. But just to keep that in mind. But honestly, if I had to pick other than Oklahoma State, I think it's going to be TCU, the depressed, most depressing team. I, I don't think they'll lose to Colorado, but I could easily see this game within a field goal, just an ugly game. TCU's had a lot of turnover, you know, new coach, Sonny Dykes. It's going to take some time with the Horn Frogs. And I think even though Colorado is not good, I think it will take time. They won't look pretty is all I'm going to say in that. And you mentioned the other games. They All these teams play nobodies, no offense. So we're not going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot in week two, week three, when they get into the meat of the non-conference schedule in the Big 12. But Mike, any final thoughts? we got to wrap this show up. We've gone a little over, but that's okay. It's week zero. I'm excited. Mike, any final thoughts? Yeah, there's no apology for just talking <laughs> college football. You know what I mean? We can talk college football for hours and yeah. still, still be fun. I'm sure our listeners will still want to listen to what we have to say. At least Hope I so. <laughs> yeah. um, But, no, I'm just super excited. we got college football on our TVs tomorrow, bright and early. Uh, just could not be more excited. And, Next week, we'll be talking about Texas was week one game and a whole bunch more games then. 
Yes, 100%. We're going to preview the Texas game and UL Monroe game in-depthly, as well as all the great games happening in the Week 1 slate. It is here, guys. Enjoy it. Enjoy the Week 0 games. Hopefully, our picks start out winners. We're going to keep track throughout the year. Keep it a little fun and light here on the show. Enjoy the Week 0 matchups. So excited college football is back. It's the greatest sport in the world. But that's it for the Longhorn Country Podcast. I am Adam Glick. And I want to thank Michael Gresser as well for always being on and being such a great co-host. That's it for the Longhorn Country Podcast. Make sure to check it out on any podcast platform. Tell your friends, tell your family. College football is officially here. We'll see you next week for the week one preview of Texas versus UL Monroe. Have a great rest of your weekend.